And now I'd like to go ahead and welcome up JT, while we continue our series in Acts today. Thank you. All right. First, maybe one or two people who are excited to hear me. Third person, thank you. Hey, before I get started, I wanted to uh, give you guys an update on what's going on with my mom. And some of you guys are wondering why I'm giving an update on my mom, if you're new. But uh, my mom is one of the pastors here. Her name is Penny Meyer. And if you're new here, she is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal lady. Even, I mean, if you're not new here, she's still a phenomenal lady. Uh, but about a year ago, she was in a really, really bad car accident that really should have killed her. She, she broke her neck and tons of bones in her body, and she's, she's still in the process of recovering from that uh, car accident, but she's doing a great job recovering from that. But in, in the midst of recovery, they ended up, uh, they found a tumor on her spine, and the tumor ended up being cancerous. It was multiple myeloma, which is a, a pretty nasty form of cancer. So they immediately started doing uh, chemo and radiation, and uh, the cancer and the tumor... Uh, responded really well to the chemo. It was, it was, it was going great, and uh, they're planning on this fall, or late summer, actually, next month, to do a uh, stem cell replacement therapy where they take her own stem cells and they do some doctor stuff to it and put it back inside of her, and there is a really, really high rate of uh, people going to, into remission from, from that therapy. So we're really excited about that, and in the process of of getting ready for it, they ended up finding out that she had another strain of multiple myeloma that they were un unaware of. And it's affected about 60% of her bone marrow, um, which is not good news. Uh, but uh, the, the prognosis is still the same. We're still hoping to do the stem cell. She's, she's uh, started like a really aggressive form of chemo this week that's uh, going to pretty much knock her out for, for a while. So... Her spirits are, are high, but she's, she's not doing very well physically right now. But the, the reason I'm telling you guys this is for three reasons. Uh, the first is just so you guys can be aware of, of, of one of the pastors in the church, what's going on. And the second is also, just on behalf of our family, just to thank you guys for your prayers. Uh, we've, we've just been really overwhelmed with the amount of love and support that you guys have shown. And we really, 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 I, I, we really appreciate your prayers. And not only do we appreciate it, we really need your prayers right now. The past year or so has been extremely difficult for our family, not just because of the cancer, but for a number of reasons. So your prayers are greatly appreciated. But finally, uh, the, the chemo and the stem cell uh, replacement therapy is going to completely knock out her immune system. So she's going to be like very susceptible to any kind of uh, germs or anything. So what the doctors are saying is that she's not allowed to have any visitors at all. Um, they're even telling her that she can't have any outside meals or cards or flowers just because of the germs that might be on them. So uh, if you want to reach out to my mom or my dad uh, over the next couple months, the best way to do it is via email or Facebook um, or some kind of digital medium. So but again, thank you for your prayers. And, you know, my dad was actually going to preach this weekend. And he, when all this stuff came out, he asked me if I, if I could preach because he knew he was going to be at the hospital a lot with my mom. And so when I started reading the chapter, I, I, I really felt like this is very appropriate for, for what, what is going on. And we've been looking through the, the book of Acts and Acts is the, we're calling it the, the church in motion. And because Acts is the story of, of what happened after Jesus died and, and, and was, you know, killed on the cross and, and resurrected and, and went into heaven. This is what happened afterwards. This is the story of the church uh, becoming the church and, and the church really uh, going in motion and doing the things that God wants us to do. And so if you remember, over the past few weeks, the church is... There's a lot of action going on. The church is growing and just lots of good stuff happening. Remember, it finally left Jerusalem and started planting churches in the Gentile world, which is great. And, the, it, you know, it's moving everywhere and people are getting saved and, and the church is being built up and it's just a good, 
you know, uplifting story. And these are really exciting times as the kingdom of God is expanding and the gospel is triumphing. But as the time you get to Acts 12, your heart may be full, but you also may be thinking, like, why don't I see the gospel triumph in my life? Like, why don't I see the kingdom of God really triumphing in, 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 in my home? Like, you may, you know, struggle with depression and you have trouble getting out of bed and you're like, you know, where's the gospel for me? Or you may be, like, going through, you know, something hard with your kids and you're wondering, you know, why isn't the gospel triumphing? But just so you don't think everything was going great for the early church, Luke, the, the author of Acts, he stops to tell us that just as all of these good things are happening and the church is growing, there's conflict and there's hardship. Acts 12 shows us the story of people in the church who were scared, who were, who were uh, dealing with uncertainty. You know, one of the main leaders we'll see in the, in the beginning of this chapter, one of the main leaders of the church gets killed. And another main leader gets thrown in prison and is waiting to be executed. People are feeling like, is this the end of the church? People are uncertain. People are scared. And, and sometimes we can feel that way too, can't we? We see, you know, failure all around us and, and, and in us. We see family members moving away from Jesus. We see, you know, We've maybe lost a job and we're dealing with bankruptcy. We, we, we can see a family member, you know, get diagnosed with cancer or dealing with sickness or, or just all kinds of things. Or maybe we turn on the news. I mean, this, the past couple weeks have been intense. There has just been devastation all over the world, hasn't there been? You know, with the, the shootings we saw a couple weeks ago, all the, the racial issues in our country. Then we see the, the terrorist attack in France and we see what's going on in Turkey and it just feels like there's so much unrest. We think, where is God? Where is God in this? And sometimes even within the church. You know, if you read the numbers of, of the church in America, the numbers are declining at a rapid rate. Like, people are going to church less and less. People are leaving the faith for the first time in American history. The, the number of, of Christians are declining. And that might bring, like, unrest or uneasiness. There's lots of unknowns. So then what can we bank on as the church? What can we bank on as followers of Jesus during these times of uncertainty and fear? Well, you can probably guess that since I'm a pastor, my answer is going to be we can bank on Jesus. And that's true. That is what I'm going to say. We can bank on Jesus. But what does that even mean? What does that mean that in these hard times we can trust in God? What does that mean? So my hope for today is that as we look at Acts chapter 12, the chapter is going to shed some light on what that means and kind of give us an idea of what it looks like to put our hope and trust in God. So why don't we pray? Just invite the Lord here. Well, Lord, we do just say that this, this, uh, this world seems really broken. There's so many things that seem really hard and things in our own lives that we're struggling with, Lord, and we pray that you come and speak to us this morning. And Lord, I ask that you, you guide the words I say and, and let, let me only say the words that you have for me. In your name, amen. So I'm gonna just jump right in. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse one. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. And just real quick, this is not the same Herod that we know from the story of Jesus' birth. If you remember, that Herod was the one who wanted to kill all the, the young boys under the age of two. This is actually that Herod's grandson. His name is Herod Agrippa. 
And he, uh, we, we can tell by biblical texts and, and other, other texts that this guy was just as brutal as his grandfather. It was just a really brutal family. But it says, he had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. James was one of the 12 disciples. He was actually in the inner circle, the, one of the four closest disciples to Jesus. And it says, when he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Because during the Passover, it was uh, it was against the law to execute someone. So Herod was actually planning on executing Peter, but he had to wait until the Passover was over. So it says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So can you imagine how this must have felt if you're a member of the church? We have two of maybe the biggest leaders in the church. James gets, gets executed, and Peter's in prison waiting to be executed. I can imagine feeling like, well, we had a good run, didn't we? Like, we, we can't do this without James and Peter. Or, or, or people feeling like, God, where are you? Why are you allowing this to happen? Like, why is this happening to James and Peter? They don't deserve this. And I, and I think the, the, the truth is, is some of us are feeling some of those same feelings today, aren't we? Like some of those things are going through our hearts and our minds right now. You know, maybe when I was talking about my mom, you were just thinking like, Penny, she doesn't deserve this stuff. Why does she have to go through this? Like, God, why are you allowing this stuff to happen? Or maybe, like I said, maybe you're dealing with, with depression or, 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 or something like that and you just feel like, this doesn't seem fair and I don't know what God is doing or, or you're dealing with financial stuff or, or your kids are rebelling or, you know, any, anything. And you just feel unrest and you know, like, God, where are you? Well, we need to remember that in these times, this is really key, we need to remember that God is in control. God is in control. And I know that sounds super generic. But listen, God has a plan, and there's literally nothing that can stop it. Do you believe that? That God has a plan for this world, and there is nothing that can stop it. Nothing. There is a bigger picture than what we can see right in front of us. Scripture tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways. That we don't understand always what God is doing, but God has a plan, and nothing can stop it. We need to remind ourselves that when we're facing hardships, when we're facing things that, you know, seem super difficult, that we can only see what's right in front of us. But God sees the past, he sees the present, and he sees the future. God has a plan that's going to work out no matter what. No matter what's going on in, in our lives, in our country, who gets elected in office, what happens in the Middle East, what happens in our family, God has a plan. God has a plan. And I think one thing that's been a, a stumbling block for, for the modern church is, is the idea, the phrase that, that we love to say, that God has a wonderful plan for your life. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And that is a very true and biblical statement. But I think we've, we've misunderstood what that means. See, a lot of times we understand it that God, you know, God's wonderful plan for your life is for you to be successful and for you to be happy and for you to, to get what you want and to, to get the most out of life and to be the most that you can be. But really what it means is that God has a mission for you. Like before the foundation of this world, before anything, God said, I'm going to make Joe, I'm going to make Sarah, and I have a plan for her. I've ordained her to do something very significant. God has something that he wants you to do. 
And he, he's inviting you into like the most important, most amazing, most wonderful story, most amazing mission in the entire universe. He's inviting you to be a part of, of reconciling the world back to, back to himself. And he's saying, I have, I have a plan for you. I have a mission for you. And your mission may be very difficult. It may be really hard. It's not necessarily about having a safe, cushy, uh, you know, charmed life. If that's, the, if that's the Christianity that you bought into, then someone sold you a lie. Because God's plan might not be easy for you. It might be hard. I mean, think about like literally every single person in the Bible. Think about the life of Jesus. Jesus didn't come to earth to like, you know, get the most out of this world and like really accomplish a lot of stuff because really, if Jesus accomplished what he could have, he could have been the king of the whole world. He could have sat on a throne and had the whole world worship him. But you know what he did is he came, he was born in a manger, and he died a cruel death. Jesus didn't come to get the most out of life. Or to, to, to reach his full potential, Jesus came to earth to fulfill a mission. And God has the same thing planned for me and the same thing planned for you. God has a mission for you. James is dead and Peter is in jail and the church is thinking, what's going on? This isn't what we signed up for. And I think God is saying, no, this is exactly what you signed up for. I mean, think about what Jesus called the disciples to. He said some crazy things. He said, like, hey, if you want to follow me, you've got to daily pick up your cross. Hey, if you want to follow me, you have to die to yourself. Being a Christian means that we get to be a part of his story. And this, I often struggle with this. I often struggle with the idea that I get to be a part of his story. Most of the time, I get it backwards. I feel like being a Christian is inviting God into my story, saying, hey, God, come bless my dreams and come bless what, what I want to do with my life and come bless this and bless that and thank you, God, for being a part of what I'm doing. But really, it's God inviting me to do what he's doing, to say, you know, I get to be, I get to be part of God's story not the other way around. And it doesn't mean that like we don't get to do the things we want to do always. It's holding those things and saying, is this part of what you want me to do, God? Being a Christian is getting to be a part of God's mission and God has a plan for you and there's nothing that can stop it. We need to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus, are we okay with doing the things that God has called us to do? As a church, as individuals, are we okay with doing the things God has called us to do? Let me, let me ask you a few questions. Are you okay with serving God if you never get the credit? Are you okay with, with serving God if no one ever notices what you do? If what you do is kind of always in the background and, and no one really, you know, says, hey, good job with that. If it's just always kind of underneath the surface, are you okay with that? Maybe you never see the fruit of it. Maybe you just work really hard and you never get to see the results. Are you okay with that? What about this? Are you okay with God if it means it's going to be really, really hard? Like it means you might have to step out of your comfort zone and do things that you don't really like doing. Maybe you'll be persecuted or maybe people won't like you or you'll, you'll lose friends or you won't get a promotion that you really wanted. Maybe you'll lose your life. What about this next one? I think this one really hits home for a lot of us. Are you okay with serving God if it means that some of your dreams may have to die. Like some of the things that you really wanted to accomplish in your life. Like some of the things that you really thought, like this is what I really want to do. If you, if you have to say, I'm going to put that on the shelf. 
I'm not saying that being a Christian means you will have to do all those things, but will you be okay with it if God says, this is what I have for you? Because Peter and James were. I imagine it wasn't Peter's dream to be in jail. God has a plan. God is doing something in our lives. God is doing something in this community. God is doing something in the world, and he's inviting us to be a part of it. He's calling us to be obedient to him no matter what it looks like. Even, even if it looks like a failure. Even if it looks like there's, this is like a 0% chance of succeeding. I mean, think about this story. This story, if we stopped right here, it would seem like, well, this was a huge failure. Like, this didn't work out at all. Let me, let me tell you a story. There's a really famous evangelist named John Wesley. And John Wesley was a, 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 a European evangelist who pretty much led all of Europe to, to Jesus. He was amazing. Like, he, was, he's, he changed the face of Christianity in the 1700s. And in the late 1700s, he had a, a desire to come, and actually the, he felt really strong that the Lord was calling him to come to, to the Americas and lead the Native Americans to Jesus. And so he came over, and I remember learning about this in church history and reading, uh, reading about it in my church history books, and you, you can too, but what they'll tell you, it was, it was the biggest failure in John Wesley's you know, life. It was a huge failure. But what the books don't tell you is, is another side of the story that, that I know. See, I have a great, 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 great grandfather who was led to the Lord by John Wesley. He was a Cherokee Indian, and he was led to the Lord by John Wesley. And I remember reading in the textbook about how this was an epic failure, and I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, Jay, maybe the whole reason I sent John Wesley to America was so your family could know Jesus. That's how much I love you. And I'm going to take it a step further. Maybe the whole reason that John Wesley came and experienced this huge failure was so that today you could hear me say the words that what you're doing that looks like failure, God does not see as failure. There's significance to what you're doing, even if you don't see fruit from it, even if it looks like failure to the world. God's plan cannot be stopped, and we need to look at our lives and our situations that way. No matter what's going on, even if it looks like things are falling apart, we need to believe that God is in control. I was talking to my mom earlier this week. We were having lunch, and I was just talking to her saying, like, it's just this, this whole cancer thing seems like really bad timing. Like, I don't think cancer is ever really good timing, but this, this one just seemed particularly bad because I said, Mom, you were, like, hitting your stride in ministry. Like, you were, like, on fire. Like, if you had, if, I mean, if, for those of you who have been around for, for a while, like, I felt like over the past, you know, couple years, her sermons just, like, had so much authority behind them. I was like, Mom, you were like preaching up a storm. And, and she was like, you know, Jay, I've, I was feeling that way too. Like I felt like I was really hitting my stride. And, and I was asking God, like, why in that point was, did I get cancer? And I felt like he said, everything that you've done in ministry was, has been leading up to this. That how you deal with cancer is going to be one of the most important things you do. And I was thinking about that. And as we talked, I thought like, yeah, what if, what if someone who is like, you know, kind of far away from God, like, sees how my mom has dealt with cancer and just thinks, oh, I want to be like that. And their life is changed. And they end up, like, changing the world. We have no idea what God is going to do through the hard things we go through. Maybe a simple act of just having a positive attitude during cancer will change the world. We never know. I remember my mom said that her dealing with cancer is going to be more powerful than any sermon she's ever delivered. What's going on with Peter and James may have felt like the worst thing ever to the church, but it didn't surprise God. God had a plan. The next thing that I, I want to I highlight here is that God answers our prayers. 
God loves to answer our prayers. Although, you know, we may go through some really difficult and scary and confusing times, God loves to answer our prayers, to be our deliverer, to be our savior, to be our rescuer. That's just who he is in his nature. He loves to just break in and, and reach into the, the, you know, the muck and, and, and chaos and pull us out. If we keep on reading, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And the night before Herod was going to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side, which is probably not a great way to wake up. It says, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off and of Peter's wrist. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so, and wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, <clears throat> but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening, which I think is really funny. He thought he was seeing a vision. So they passed through the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. God delivered Peter from Herod <clears throat> when it seemed impossible. I mean, there were 16 guards who were appointed to watch Peter. That was their, their, their sole job was just to watch Peter. <clears throat> but God says those guards are no match for me and my angels. So what in your life, what, what situation in your life feels hopeless? Feels impossible? You think God can't rescue me from this one. What situation in the world just feels like this one's too big for God? Maybe you don't think about that consciously, but you just feel like this is a bigger issue than that prayer can't really handle. Like this one is going to require, you know, a lot of extra elbow grease, or this one's going to require, you know, better education, or, or what situation do you feel like prayer can answer? There's nothing too big from, for God. And on the flip side, there is nothing too small for God. But there's nothing that you are going through that God feels like that's not that big of a deal. I got bigger fish to fry. Your cares, your struggles are not insignificant. God loves to answer our prayers. And our prayers have power. Our prayers have the ability to change situations, to change things. I mean, we could just go through. I could, so many people in the church could tell you stories about how prayer changed things. You know, I just heard a story this week. I was talking to, to Jamie McKinley, who her and her husband lead the, the middle school ministry here at the church, and they were telling me about middle school camp, and she was saying that there was a, a, a young boy who came to camp and didn't know if he really believed in Jesus. So they were praying that God would speak to him. You're praying that God would speak to him. And, and in the middle of the week, God spoke to him and said, hey, tonight at the meeting we're about to have, I want to heal people's legs. I want to heal people's legs who have pain in their legs. So at the meeting, the boy, you know, showed a lot of courage and, and spoke it out to people. And so they started praying for people for physical healing and just people left and right were getting healed. People left and right were getting healed. In fact, at the end of the week, they asked everyone, there's about 50 kids from our church who went to, went to, 50 people total, kids and adults, who went to camp, and they said, who here experienced some kind of healing? And about 25 people raised their hand and said, I experienced some kind of healing. But my favorite story that happened that week was the kid who wanted to hear from God. He and, and her, had the original uh, word from God. He actually had really flat feet. And to the point where he had to get special orthopedic shoes and had a lot of, a lot of issues with his back and lots of, lots of issues. And the, the, the shoes that he had to get were really expensive. 
Um, and so they prayed for his feet. And as they were praying for his feet, he started to develop arches in his feet. And by the end, he had arches in his feet. Isn't that amazing? God answers prayers. Our, our prayers have power. And I think we need to be a church. We need to be people who believe that our prayers can change things. And we need to believe and expect that God wants to answer our prayers. Not just, not just believe it, but move in it. Pray for people who are sick. Believe that God can, can, can do a miracle in your marriage. And step out in faith. I love how in the text that we're reading in verse 5, it says the church was earnestly praying for Peter's release. And God sent the angel to deliver Peter. And listen to what it says next. It says, When this had dawned on him, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered and still praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without even opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door, which I think is hilarious that she just left him out there and didn't let him in. But it says, she said, Peter's at the door. And they said, you're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. He says, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. I love this story. I love their reaction, that they're like praying that Peter's released. And then Peter shows up and they're like, no, no, not going to happen. They didn't really believe it was Peter at the door. I think their response to God answering their prayers is very similar to the way we respond to God answering our prayers sometimes. They didn't believe that God really answered their prayers. I wonder how many times God answers our prayers and, and we don't see it because we're so cynical or we think that couldn't have been God or we say a prayer and we forget that we even prayed it or maybe we said a prayer and we said, God, I have this problem and I want you to answer it in this way and he answers it in a different way. We need to be people who believe God can heal who can rescue, who can restore, who can perform miracles. And then, and then expect him to do it and look for him to do it. Let's ex when we pray for a, a sick person, let's expect that, hey, God can heal sick people. I remember God convicting of me this, of this a, a few years back. I remember whenever I would pray for someone who was sick, they, my prayers sounded something like this, where I'd be like, oh, yeah, heal, heal them. Um, but real, give them your peace uh, in the midst of their sickness. So it was almost a way of me saying, I don't know if I believe you can heal this person, but I think you can give them peace. And I felt like the Lord was like, hey, stop doing that. Pray with authority. There's nothing too impossible for me, Jay. And I'll tell you what, when I stopped doing this, when I stopped like giving these huge disclaimers and really just started stepping out and saying, be healed in the name of Jesus, I started seeing so many more healings. I mean, not 100% of the time, but I started seeing so many more healings. And I'm not sure exactly why, but it's true. I love where it says, which of you, if your son's ask for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God loves to give gifts to his children. He does. But what this doesn't mean is that God gives us whatever we want. That's not what this means. I am um, one of my favorite things to do with my daughter, Olive, is I like to, we get up early together. Um, I let mama sleep in. I'll get up with her and I'll, I'll make breakfast for her. And she actually, we make breakfast together kind of. Um, but I'll, I'll pull up a chair next to the counter and I'll say, sweetheart, what do you want for breakfast? And she'll say, 
you know, pancakes. I'll say, okay, sweetheart, you go get this, and I'll, I'll start doing this, and we'll make breakfast together. And then, or some, some days she'll say, bacon and eggs. So I'll say, okay, here's a bowl. You start mixing up the eggs. And she's two and a half, so I'm, like, not letting her get too close to the stove, but, like, it's fun. We, we, we have fun together. And uh, some mornings I'll say, sweetheart, what do you want for breakfast? And she'll say, candy. And I'll say, well, no, you can't have candy. And she says, no, I want candy. Like, she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand that she can't get whatever she wants. But as her father, you know, I, I know better sometimes. <laughs> like, there could be so many reasons that I don't give her candy. Maybe I don't give her candy because I'm planning on giving her cake and ice cream later. Or maybe I don't give her candy because I just gave her candy. And she can't have more candy. Like, sometimes I don't give all of what she wants, and she just doesn't get it. She says, like, she thinks, you're just being mean. You're being withholding. But I, I mean, maybe sometimes I am. I hope not. But, like, I, I feel like I'm doing it. I'm trying to do what's best for you. Or, or sometimes she'll say, I want to I go to the park, and I'll have to say, well, we have to go to the grocery store because we need food for the week. Or she'll say, I want to go to the park, and I'll think, like, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. I have something better for you. I've never done that, but one day I hope to. Like, maybe I have something so much better for her than what she's asking for. And I don't know, maybe you're asking God for something, and I don't know the reason why he's not giving it to you. But there could be so many more reasons. Remember, his ways are so much higher than our ways. But I do know that God loves to answer prayers. God loves to answer our prayers. And God answered the church's prayers when they were praying for Peter, but they almost missed it. So let's not be a people who miss God answering our prayers. God wants to do some amazing things. But I think this story also reveals a tension. And some of you guys might be feeling this tension already. Here's what I mean. You know, this story is about God delivering Peter from, from prison, but, but what happened at the beginning of the story? James was killed. So this leaves us with a tension, doesn't it? Like, why was, why was Peter rescued, but James executed? Why do sometimes we see miracles, and sometimes we don't see anything? Why is that? It's the tension. And I think, I think the reason why we have this tension is because we are living in a, in a very strange time. We are living in a time where the kingdom of God is now, but it's not yet. You guys heard that before, the now and the not yet. And here's what I mean by that. See, the Bible refers to the time that we're living in as the present evil age. It says we are living in the present evil age where, where Satan, it says he's the ruler of this, this age. He's the ruler of this earth. When we, when we in the garden, when we fell, we, we, we gave the keys to Satan and said, you're, you're the boss. Because God entrusted us. He said, you guys rule the earth. And we said, no, Satan, you get the keys. So Satan is the ruler of this earth. And all throughout Scripture, it tells us about a time where God is going to come and establish his kingdom here on earth. And it, and it tells us about it. We can read about it in, the, in, in Revelation. It tells us that one day there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more pain, no more sickness, no more fear. There's going to be no more racism, no more, no more sexism. It's going to be a, a, a wonderful, amazing time. And then what we see in Scripture is that when Jesus came to earth, when Jesus died on the cross... This is that, that, that future age, the kingdom of God broke through this, 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 this present evil age. He, he defeated this present evil age, and it broke through. It began to slice in. And it, not the fullness of it. We don't get to see the fullness of it. Not until Jesus returns for the second time. But it says that we don't get to experience the full banquet, but we get to taste it now. 
The kingdom of God is now. It's breaking in, but it's not quite here yet. It's not yet. Does that make sense? It's now, but it's not yet. There's mystery to it. And that's why James is killed and Peter is rescued. Peter's rescued. The now, James is killed. Not yet. That's why we, 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 my brother was, had a horrible, aggressive form of Crohn's disease and was in and out of the hospital. There was one year where he was in the hospital, no joke, for over 20 weeks. He was on like, you know, his, his medication that was, he, he, he had to take daily weighed like three pounds. Like that's not totally true, but he had to take so much medication. He was so sick and just hopeless and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and now he hasn't had a, a uh, symptom of Crohn's disease for over five years. Yeah, he doesn't take any medication anymore. Like, he, we believe he's completely healed. But it also shows that my mom has cancer. And just got diagnosed with another type of cancer. God's kingdom is breaking through. And we do see healings. We see marriages restored. We see, we see people being rescued. We, we, we still see bondage and we see brokenness and we see sickness and we see pain. We see death. We just need, we just need to turn on the news. The now and the not yet, this idea of the kingdom being now and not yet, it really helps me understand and process through the reality that God does move today. God does heal today, and we can, we can pray for healing, and we can see healing. But it also gives me the reality to know that we're still going to have hardships. We're still going to have sickness. We're still going to have loss. But one day, it's all going to be made right. And as followers of Christ, we get to, to reach into that one day. We get, to, we get to reach into that future reality and bring it today. Bring handfuls of the kingdom of God today. I love my dad says we, we grab handfuls of heaven and bring it down to earth. And we get to see healings. Not always, but sometimes. We get to see marriages restored. We get to see God move. You know, I pray every day that my mom is healed. I do. And I know she's, she's praying that she, she'll be healed too. I know lots of you guys are. But one thing that I know, and my mom knows, and she's okay with, is that she, she may die of cancer. And unless Jesus comes back during her lifetime, she's going to die of something. But we do know that one day there's going to be no more cancer. If there's hope for one day. So let me ask you this. Do you, do you really believe that God is in control? Like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with, and let me, let me just say there are some struggles where it is hard to see like, that God is in control. We need to choose to believe it. Do you trust him no matter what you're going through? And let me ask you this. Are we actively praying for the situations that we see for God to come and perform miracles? Like, do you believe that God can come and change the situation that you're living in? Do you believe that God can heal wounds that are 100 years old in our country? Do you believe that God can restore, you know, relationships between people, between countries? Do you believe that God is in control no matter who's our president? You know, God doesn't promise us that on this side of heaven, he's going to fix all of our situations. You know, we have that promise for one day. But what he does promise us is that in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our problems, he is with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So we, we may not get what we, what we think that we want. 
but we get him. And that is so much better than anything we could ever ask for. We get him, and that's what we, that's what we really need, guys. That's what I really need. That's what you really need, is we need him. So whether or not my mom is healed, whether or not you get that job that you, that you really need, or whether or not, you know, your, your family, you know, is restored, whether or not the situation that, that you're praying for ever, ever, you know, comes together the way that you feel like it needs to, to, to come together, God is with you in the midst of your pain. God is with you. So why don't we stand? I really believe that God is with us today. And as I was praying for this, this service, I felt like God um, said he wanted to minister to a lot of people. And specifically, I felt like there were two groups of people that God really wanted to minister to. And the first group of people are people who, who, who really uh, want to give control to God. They want to give him control. They want to, you know, just come and stand and say, God, I really trust you with my kids. Or I really trust you with this situation. I really trust you with this sickness I'm going through. You are in control. And no matter what happens, I trust you. And I feel for some people, it's, it's, it's dealing with things that are kind of falling apart maybe. It's, it's maybe, maybe you are struggling with sickness or finances or or, you know, depression or something, and, and you want to stand and say, I trust you, God, and God wants to minister to you. And the second group of people that I, I want to call forward and God wants to minister to, to are people who, who, you need a miracle. You need a miracle. You need to see the kingdom of God break through. Like, like maybe, maybe you have a, a sickness that just is chronic and you feel like this is impossible. Or maybe there's, there's something happening in your marriage that you just feel like, this is too big for me, I need a miracle. Or whatever it is, whatever it is, you need a miracle. And God, I really believe, wants to unleash miracles this morning. So we're gonna, we're gonna worship and sing a song, but I wanna invite you forward if, if you wanna just say, God, I give you control and I trust you, or if you need a miracle this morning. So come on forward. We just want to pray for you. And real, real quick, the, the, for the releasing control, I also felt like the Lord was saying it's not just for people who are going through things that are, that are kind of falling apart, but it's also people who are going through things that are really successful. That there are people who, you know, your, your career is going really well, but the Lord is still saying, do you trust me? Do you believe that I'm in control? And do you want to hold that up to me? So come on, come on up forward. And, and we're going to need a lot of people to pray. So, uh, you know, if you're here, you can come and lay your hand on their shoulder and just invite the Holy Spirit and pray for them. So we'll need some more prayers. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord, I've tasted and seen. Well, I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone In your presence, Lord Holy Spirit, you are welcome And Holy Spirit, you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be over 
overcome by your presence, Lord. By your presence, Lord. Tasted and seen. Well, I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord Holy Spirit Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Lord we just say we trust you we love your presence, Lord. We just say we release control. We repent of, of not trusting you. We repent of looking at situations in, in our country, in our world, and in our lives and feeling like these are too big for you. Whether we think that explicitly or implicitly, Lord, we know that you're in control and we know that you're good. We believe it. We declare it this morning. You are good. You are good. And we will say it until we really believe it. You are good. You are good. You are good even though we are dealing with hardships. You are good when we are dealing with with, with struggles. You are good when we are on the mountaintops. You are always good. And you are in control. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we ask that you give us soft hearts and eyes to see what you're doing. Lord, we just say we want to be obedient. We want to, we want to be obedient to you no matter what it looks like, no matter what the cost. Whether you're calling us... Um, to call, whether you're calming the storms and calling us to walk forward or you're calling us into the storms, we will walk forward. We just love you, Jesus. I just pray a blessing over each person here. I bless what the Lord is doing in your life. And I just pray a sensitivity to what he's doing and a, and a courage to, to do the things he's calling you to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Um, and as you leave, if you're new, come please say hi to us in the pastor's welcome. And please sign up. It's the last week to sign up for the equipped class. It's a great one. I went through it last time. It's amazing. And sign up for the men's breakfast. It's also, or the men's cookout. It's also the last week to sign up for that. Bless you guys.